Hey everybody, this is Chris here to case the best with my friend Lisa No One Knows. Hello. And uh, today we're going to be talking about my topic, which is uh, kind of going to dive into the psychology behind like pet peeves, secrets, and apologies. Why do we have pet peeves? Why do we keep secrets? And depending on the secret, why does it bring us joy or torment? And why do we feel guilty when we have to apologize or feel that when we're wrong, we deserve an apology? So I want to discuss this today. Lisa? Yeah, that's a cool topic. Uh, Very, very interesting. Uh, Yeah, but um, what we'd love is for you to uh, become part of the conversation down the line. Um, and we'd also love it if you'd give us some stars and reviews um, anywhere you get your podcasts. So if you're enjoying what we're doing or if you're not and if you want to hear any topic for us to discuss, just feel free to give us some feedback on uh, anywhere where you get your podcast. All right. And just like with any other podcast, we'll uh, bring in a few facts and hopefully a decent conversation. So we hope everybody enjoys. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh... I guess let's go ahead and begin. Um, why do we have pet peeves? Uh, many people have pet peeves, which we suppose are inevitable to the human condition. Um, the word pet began to be used ironically in the 19th century, paired with words like hate and aversion. Peeve is a relative, a relatively recent word with either little or no use prior to the 20th century. It came from chopping down the existing peevish, a word of considerably greater lineage. Peevish, which comes from the Middle English peevish, meaning spiteful, has had a small range of closely related meanings over the years. Peeve is a feeling or mood of resentment and a particular grievance or source of aggravation. So why do we call them pet peeves? Uh, It's because of a fairly logical progression in the way that we have used pet over the last few centuries. And uh, pet has been used as an adjective since the late 16th century uh, century initially in the sense of kept or taken as a pet. So like a pet peeve would be like nails on the chalkboard or a lot of pet peeves can be explained by like two particular emotions like irritation and disgust. Like irritation covers things like rude servers or uh, loud phone conversations in public. Customers. <laughs> or or rude customers uh discussed uh, or or like loud phone conversations in public disgust covers things like people chewing loudly or like public bodily functions like farting or burping loudly in public like just rude behavior um and we we tend to as people hate things that interrupt or corrupt our personal experience at that moment and i I chose this because like i have uh, a lot of pet peeves like uh 
like especially loud chewing uh it, it absolutely drives me batshit crazy when people eat with their mouth open and smack their food yeah uh, like all i envision is just choking them <laughs> and- i don't think yeah that's that's a big one that's a popular one too and um what you were saying before about pet i think the reason it's called pet peeve is because pet it's like your own you know yeah like, so yeah like it is personal your, your personal annoyances or things that annoy you it, um, it's there's just... the peeve that you adopted because a pet right. is a like yes your pet chooses you but you also chose your pet right. and i i think that definitely related to it as well uh, that was something i had thought of also well, so, a lot of times, like, we, we don't really, like, the pet doesn't choose us. We basically just, like, hijack pets. <laughs> we just hijack them and, like, just. True. But basically... but your pet does choose you because your pet could choose to hate you. But if, you're, if your pet chooses to love you, then your pet chose you. It, it, like, yeah. Anna chose me to be her human. Like, well, when I, mean, when I adopted held, her, she. She kind of held captive in your house, though. Like, all of our, and to a certain well, extent, like. Well, our cat, like the our cats, can go freely where they want to go. So they, if they keep coming back, yes, they've chosen to be with us. But like with a dog, like you, I mean, a lot of times, like if I don't know if they got out, they might never come back. Like this yeah. is a totally so. unrelated story. Like my mom went away; she went to back to back back to the UK to visit, and um, our dog at the time, uh, uh, Molly she hated my dad and she just disappeared. She disappeared until my mom came back until we, and she finally, we found her, but my dad was so horrible to her that she was just like, peace, I'm out. And she thought, probably thought my mom had abandoned her, you know? But anyways, that's a totally different topic. Well, no, but, but it does bring up something that I'm fucking. The word is not coming to mind. Like when somebody gets kidnapped and falls in love with their kidnapper. Oh, the munchkins. No, uh-uh. um, like the only thing coming to mind is Luke Garrett's disease, and that's not it. Um, <laughs> Wait, there's Munch, no, there's Munchin, Munchkin's Hauser, whatever that one is, and then you have the other one. I always mix the two up. Ah, Mun- Munchkin's by proxy. Oh, that's the one where you think the person's sick, you project like an illness onto somebody. The Munchkin's by proxy, and then you have the one where you fall in love with your captor, right? Yeah, I, I I don't know the Munchkin one, but uh, yeah, no, the one where you fall in love with your captor. Uh, let me see quickly. Yeah, my my computer's in the house. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I try not to use my computer in the pod because Stockholm keyboard, syndrome. Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's pretty much what pets get. They get Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm. You kidnap them, you bring them in your house, and you walk them around on a leash. You never let them out of your sight. And eventually they fall in love with you and they can't wait for you to get home. So in a way, in a sense, they develop Stockholm syndrome. To a certain extent, yeah. Cause yeah, that that's pretty weird. Or you get those pe- those people with the t-shirts that say, like, who rescued who? It's like, oh, God. Yeah. Please. <laughs> um, okay. But, but okay, anyway, back on topic. On. Yeah. So um, there's this book. Uh, I haven't read it, but I saw some notes on it. It's called Annoying. The Science of What Bugs Us. Um, and it's uh, by Joe Palka and Florence Lichman. And they explore and the history and the research behind pet peeves. And they basically came up with the three U's as a way to better understand how we identify annoyance. So you have like, okay, basically you have 
three types of annoying. You have social, environmental, and interpersonal. So, okay. So basically social is like, I would say that is the, the chewing one comes into mm-hmm. the social. So it's annoyances caused by the violation of social norms. So if somebody's not doing something the way that you usually expect people to do stuff, then you're going to be like, ew, that's disgusting. And then you, you'll you get, you know. Either so... that or like, and I am personally guilty of this, which is something I am trying to work on, which I, ironically, I actually just did. Um, where that's people it. like, no, uh, where people interrupt conversation. Oh, yeah. Well, that see, and then it depends when you talk about social norms, it depends on the culture. Whereas like, you know, in certain um, Asian cultures, if you don't slurp your noodles, like loudly, heard, it's, it seems like you're not like enjoying them or something yeah, like it's, that. It's supposed to be a compliment to the chef. Right. Whereas like here slurping, like you would probably hate that. Like slurping is going to be oh, like, oh. I, I, it, it doesn't bother me as much as, as long as it's not too intrusive. Mm. Like, well, I know that you've gotten it. annoyed at me if I've been on the phone and um, I'm eating and like I tend to like my fork or whatever, my utensil will hit my teeth. That now, really, yeah, that's I was going to bring that up. My, my, <laughs> my second biggest pet peeve, people that bite their fork. But I, I think that's bite because... my fork, but it like it'll hit my teeth sometimes. Yeah. I don't think I think when I like when I eat, like my the spoon will hit my teeth. But that probably has to do with like the shape of people's mouths. Like, well, I, th- I, I have a small mouth. Me... Like, I cannot fit a lot of food in, like a big bite. Like, I cannot take huge bites of food because it will. I feel like I'm gonna choke. <coughs> but anyway, sorry, so have... okay. sorry everyone, if I cough, I got a bit of a cough. Uh, this week so I'll try to keep it minimal but it might happen but yeah no with biting the fort uh, I think a lot of that has to do is like like I've never really had like perfect teeth I've always had very sensitive teeth so when people when when the fork hits their teeth it, it's like chewing on aluminum when you have a filling oh it, gosh it, yeah, yeah. It, that that's how it feels to me it's just completely cringe yeah. So, uh, and like I've, I mean, all my life I've been kind of a person. Whenever I take a bite of food, I use my upper lip to pull it off of the silverware, not my teeth. That's but I, I've been that way. Kind of like what, what horses do. Like horses, like take their, they whenever you feed a horse, and their lips always like try to get the bite yeah. right before the teeth. Yeah. Um, that's so you basically eat like a horse. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, okay, so. So like like I was saying, so that what is a social one? There's a social one, but that varies across different cultures. What's accepted and what's not accepted to be annoying or not annoying. There's so many differences. Like, I mean, a pet peeve of mine is close talkers. Some pe- people who get really close in, to your in your bubble. Yes, very close to you. Close talkers, yeah. and I'll, and you step back and they don't notice. Now yeah. in American culture. They ha- the the range of closeness is very is quite far away compared to other cultures. So in America, I don't really have that many problems. Although there still are some people that are close talkers. What I call close talkers, and I get, that really makes me feel uncomfortable. It, but it certain cultures, certain cultures, it's a lot more close. So it's pretty easy to to deal with in in America because most people like get the idea that it's they shouldn't do that, but. Some people just, I guess, they maybe grew up in a family that were close talkers, and that's why they do it. I don't know. 
that and the ones that come up and they start talking to you and they're talking really close while you're trying to do something and you're sitting here trying to work yourself away like, hey, I'm I'm kind of going this way. I, I really need to go do this thing. Yeah. But you're not shutting up. It's funny how some <laughs> it's just pick not people that don't pick up on um, body language. Body language is a is a big one for me like that. Mm-hmm. that some people are that oblivious to not notice that you're making me feel uncomfortable or I'm stepping away. How do you not notice that I keep stepping away every time you take a step forward? Yeah. Like, (laughs) how do you not notice that those cues I'm giving you very strong signals, except for B I don't want to have to say, can you please back off? And that's going to make things very awkward. Yeah. Be like, Um, dude, shut up. I got shit to do. Right. (laughs) But then, okay. So does, is that a lie then? it's so, not a lie so and no i, I mean gonna... if i'm not if i'm not saying to you that really i want you to back off and i want you to step away but i don't say it and I'll, all i'm doing is it with my body language am i inadvertently lying no and i would I, I would say that definitely falls under what we were talking about like 10 seconds ago about like what's socially acceptable uh, because so many people take things so personal nowadays to where there is even limitations on the words we're allowed to say because people have very thin skin now. Um, so if, if like I that. if I told you, Lisa, shut up. I, I've got shit to do. That's going to either hurt your feelings or it's going to piss you off. Even though I mean no harm by it, I just mean, Lisa, quit talking. I got shit to do. We can talk later. But it would be rude for me to say it in that manner. So I would really have to learn to rephrase that and be like, hey, as I would love to carry on this conversation, but can we do that in a little bit? Because I, I've got work to do. And that would be what would be considered socially acceptable. So if like rude people, I think, could fall under a pet peeve also and, and the social aspect. Because, I mean, like, even you have gotten on to me about some of the words I say uh, because I know, like, shit just falls out of my mouth. Um, And I get get gotten on to a lot for uh, some of my choice of words. Um, But I, I am trying to learn to better myself at that because I know those are other people's pet peeves. Yeah, I wouldn't say it like that the the certain words are other people's pet peeves per se, but I feel like we have a better word for certain things now that m- won't bother as many people because the reason that certain words are kind of not being said is because some people they've been used in a derogatory way, so it will, you know, maybe make that person person feel a certain way. If it's easy to change your language and not like But would that not be considered a social pet peeve? Because, like I said, uh, pet peeve is like an irritation or a disgust. And I think that if I if I go, yeah, you're you're acting like a retard. Then that that's an irritative, irritative, however you say that word. Um, That word irritates you. It pisses you off. You don't like that word. So choose a different word. So would that not be a social pet peeve? I don't know if it's a social pet peeve. I think that because people who have um, people who have 
have a certain uh like issues with regards to like mental learning and stuff like learning disabilities and things like that have been called the word retard in a derogatory sense so therefore it's now been considered like you shouldn't really say that to describe somebody um as a as like a insult because it's been used as somebody who previously was used as somebody who was like mentally um mental retardation right the word initially had the had like an official meaning and now it has an insult attached to it mm-hmm. so it's kind of just that people have to accept that language evolves over time i think that people get their knickers in a twist about words because they they are not willing to accept that words change meaning over time and they're not accepting of change especially when it comes to language i mean if we spoke the same way we spoke you know 300 years ago we wouldn't be saying a lot of things that we say now and it just happens so gradually that usually it's not a problem but because of uh social media internet everything things change very quickly and it takes humans a lot longer to adapt and they They'll kick up a fuss about this word or that word and be all irate about new words or the fact that this word's, you know, not really allowed anymore, things like that. But it's just because I think that humans are very, very uh, slow adapters. That's what I think. Agreed. And what what was the second one? Oh, so going back to what I was saying before? Yeah. So, yeah, so so we have the... um, Three U's of annoyance, unpleasant, unpredictable, and uncertain duration. So, um, which I hadn't mentioned before. Um, and then I'll go into the three types of annoying, which I've already said. One of them is social. Second one is environmental. And yes. um, the third one is interpersonal. And all of this is according to um, the book that I was referring to, Annoying, the Science of What Bugs Us, uh, by Joe Paca and Florence Lichman. What and so, is the environmental so the environmental is annoyance from like sound, smells, and of our environment. Ah, okay. So that, that makes somebody, yeah, sense. somebody who has like um, someone that's know. living next to a paper factory that right. smells like bad farts. A paper factory? Oh yeah, no, they smell so bad. Wait, a- what and is- they smell for a long time or a long like ways out. Making paper from like yeah. trees? Yeah. Oh yeah, wow! It, I don't think I've ever smelt that. Yeah, no. You'll you'll know as soon as you drive by one, or really? I, I guess a more common. Does it smell like sulfur? <clears throat> uh, it it literally smells like you've been eating deviled eggs all day and you're gassy. So sulfur. So they yeah. must use sulfur to create paper. I guess. I have no idea, but uh, you it, it's a very distinguished smell. You'll know it when you smell it. Okay. Um, just like driving by a chicken plant. Oh, don't! That makes me so upset. Yeah, uh, it, it stinks. So yeah, okay. So environmental. Okay, so environmental. Tea, so that that makes sense. Nails on chalkboard actually goes into the environmental category because mm-hmm. it's um, a well, hearing. Possibly, yeah, because it's well, it's because of our human ears are attuned to frequencies between four thousand and uh, two thousand hertz. Mm-hmm. So fingernails on a chalkboard, it rests somewhere in the middle of that range. And because of the shape of our ear canal, that like basically will amplify the noise and make it very unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so like I'm very frequencies. 
yeah, are, are disturbing to most people. And that's why, like, we, when we talk about Hertz, um, you can talk about Hertz with, when you tune a guitar or, like, a lot of people will listen to Hertz when they go to sleep with binaural beats, etc. To because the certain frequencies will make our bodies work in a certain way. And I think it's, it's attached to things like a universal language that we don't fully understand when we yeah. talk about frequencies. So, so environmental pet peeve is pretty much everything that's focused on your senses. Yeah, like your smells and sounds. Yeah. I guess you could probably yeah. include visual with that too, I guess. But Yeah, probably. Um, okay, and then you have the third one, which is interpersonal. interpersonal. So that'll be things like annoyances caused by individuals um, that we are around often. So like you have a partner and you've been hanging out with them a lot. Like, I guess a lot of people got um, got divorced and are separated in 2020 during lockdown because they got sick of being around their other person or persons um, during lockdown. So that's why, like, a lot of the rates went up, because the more we're around someone, the more we become aware of the small things that they do that mm-hmm. we usually don't see in other people. But with somebody you spend a lot of time with, you're going to start noticing all these like things. Yeah not able to escape them which people were not able to escape the other person during 2020 um so that you know people couldn't you know just things like that people do like i don't know like uh can be things like the 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 standards that you like to live like maybe i like to keep this this area clean and you don't keep this clean and tidy things like really start to add up yeah no it's like i used to have a roommate that when they got home, they would take their socks off in the kitchen and leave them in the kitchen floor. Used to drive me up the fucking wall. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I don't like the other people's socks and stuff. No, no. that's not. It's kind of gross. Yeah. No, yeah, it's like you, you have a laundry basket. Go put them in the laundry basket. Don't take them yeah. off with, like, use one foot to pull off your sock and the other foot to pull off the sock and kick them over next to the oven. Fucking mm-hmm. no, that's not where they go. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be like that kind of interpersonal. Yeah. Piece. So yeah, but that I mean, makes sense. The thing is about like why we even get annoyed in the first place. Like, apparently, science-wise, we still haven't even figured out why we get annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, one doctor, uh, Doctor Ralph Ness, he believes that it may be an evolutionary response. So it could be that like when we get annoyed, our brains are kind of shocked back into focus mode, so we become more aware of our surroundings. And when we're paying more attention to like the thing that's annoying us. So, so it could be like a, a thing that's um, a focus mode, like that it's there to protect us. Yeah. Right? That, so it's like something a that's learning. Yeah. Process. Like a, it's just causing your body uncomfort, but it's trying to tell you like, maybe the sound isn't good for you. Maybe this food, maybe this smell isn't good for you. Get away from it. So yeah. things that are annoying, it's probably an evolutionary thing so that the stimuli is, is, prompting you to, to do something about your environment so that you go away. Um, and m- maybe it's still relevant now. Like if, but I mean, is it possible to live with somebody and never be annoyed by the other person? Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. I would say too. Um, everybody's going to do something that pisses you off, but the only way op- around that, in my opinion is, I guess if you were very, you have to work on yourself. It's not something that the other person has to change about themselves. I think it's you having to work on 
what you get annoyed by and well, what, that, what's gonna make you one irritated. One step of evolution is adaptation. Mm-hmm. So, like, and with adaptation, there's also a large level of uh, compromise. Yeah. Uh, right. So, adaptation also comes with a large level of compromising. Yes. And, and communication. So, like, I think that, yeah, we have got a prefrontal cortex for a reason. And, you know, these things that annoy us are things maybe biological, but now we just have to kind of address them, communicate, um, and uh, accept them. Ultimately, you have to accept that people are not like you. You're not like them. Mm. and everybody's going to have weird idiosyncrasies and instead of like thinking that their idiosyncrasies are are bad things that you can find the quirky thing and see them as good things you know everybody's different if we were all the same that would be quite boring agreed but well, i was going to say important. the same thing <laughs> it's important to address them with, with somebody else like i would say if it really bothers you and if it's something that's you know, just stupid shit like the sock thing. Like, that would be something to address. Yeah. Um, with how somebody chews, I think it might be something like that's a deal breaker. I don't know. I don't think you're going to be able yeah. to change the way somebody chews over a lifetime. Maybe you can make them aware of it, but are they ever going to change certain behaviors? Probably not. It means that maybe that person is not for you. Yeah. No, that's why I spend a lot of holidays. I either eat in a, an opposite room or... I I will go outside and eat. I, yeah. uh, uh, I've already made it very clear. Drives me nuts. But they've been doing it for years. They've been doing it their entire lives. And that's not going to change. So I have to adapt. And it's like, okay, fine. I mean, your house, your rules. You want to eat with your mouth open. I can go over here and eat. Yeah. You just have to kind of realize that this is in or out of your control. And if there's anything you can do about it, if, if it is within your control, and if you can, then you can remove yourself from the situation or somehow come to accept it and not be annoyed by it. And maybe just that would probably take a bit of meditation on your part or something. Yeah, like no, that. I, I really don't see me ever being able to sit in a room with somebody that smacks their food. But, uh, but yeah, that pretty much covers that part. The next part I wanted to go over was uh, secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why do we feel it's necessary to keep secrets and why do secrets affect us mentally and even can affect us physically? Um, why research has actually linked secrecy to increased anxiety, depression, symptoms of poor health, and even more rapid progression of disease. Um, there's, a very easy explanation is like keeping secrets is extremely hard work. You have to watch what you say. If somebody asks you something that's related to the secret, you have to be careful not to slip up. Or if it's necessary, you have to lie to that person. Um, and constant concealment of a secret can be extremely exhausting. The harm of keeping secrets secrets doesn't really come from like hiding uh has more to do with having to live with it and you're constantly thinking about it some secrets are keeping a secret from someone else 
and some secrets are uh, more common is keeping our own secrets from others. Things that we don't want people to know about us. And I've even noticed that firsthand. And I'm also guilty of doing that. And when it does pop into my mind, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, and I thought that was neat because I found where it says uh, it is human tendency to allow our mind to wander. But when it wanders to our secrets, that seems most harmful to our well-being. Simply thinking about a secret can make us feel inauthentic. Having a secret return to our mind time and time again can be tiring. When we think of a secret, it can make us feel isolated and alone. And I can very well agree with that. Not saying on the podcast. (laughs) No shit. Uh, If it makes you feel that way, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I've got a lot of skeletons. All right, well... That's all really interesting. And um, in addition to what you just said, I um, I was uh, reading an article in uh, Psychology Today, and they um, basically identified 36 common secrets um, that all of us have, apparently. And then they took those 36, and then they put them into three, three dimensions that describe each secret. So the three dimensions of secrets, you have uh, immortality, connection, and insight so with immortality um that would be things like um that the the person who's keeping the secret considers to be immoral so um things like the the like hurting another person physically or emotionally theft um doing things like uh yeah doing immoral acts immoral acts right the connectedness one is stuff with regards to like intimate relationships so that'll be stuff like infidelity, cheating on people, even even religious that's connected stuff like things like your political beliefs and you know somebody you're around a lot of people that believe this and you're believe but you believe that you know and you yeah. same thing it's not like a you know but that's another, that's the other category then it's kind of like well things like your health problems it could be things like you know you don't want to tell people like kind of in Breaking Bad where Walter White doesn't want to tell anybody that he had cancer, things like that. Um, yeah, a, a gentleman never tells his ailments. Th- yeah, so th- things like that can weigh upon you, like, you know, or like especially with men and um, in a toxic max- masculinity-type culture where, you know, a lot of times it's not okay for a man to say how he feels in a situation. You know, that, that goes into the insight category. Um, with regards to... Like, I mean, before we were doing this recording and uh, I was chatting with my mom and she was like, well, what's your topic? And then we were chatting about secrets and stuff. And both of us agreed, like, especially like when it comes to like, she's like, well, my mom said like, well, this is why I never never cheated on anyone. She's like, we were like, and I was like, and and neither have I. And the whole thing is like, well, I just cannot live with myself. It's not that that, that's why I couldn't do it. Uh, give it a couple of months and I would break and have to tell you and I know it would be a fight and then it would be over. Right. That's why I can't cheat. Well, it's, but it's almost like we both agreed that it's almost a selfish thing. It's like, I would not be able to, I was going to do that. 
whatever yeah. the behavior would be. And there, there are studies where it's like, let's like you, you can put people in a situation where they can, let's say, steal something from somebody and they won't get caught and they know yep. that they won't get caught. Right. So that's where you can really tell if person or a bad, well, that's very black and white and very binary, but that's, that's very telling um, where you can put somebody in a scenario where, look, you're never going to get caught for this and see what behavior the person does. And um, I find that pretty interesting because there's a lot of scenarios where I can see that I can do something bad. Like mm. that would benefit me. Like, um, yeah, I can just take this and not get caught for stealing. I could, t- I could do that. And I, I'm quite sure I would get away with it, but do I do and it? Then, no. But yeah. Cause then it's, it's not the fact that you've done it and you can't tell anyone. It's the fact that you have to live with that. Right. Right. And I mean, and, like, hell, keeping secrets, I mean, it, it can cause physical illness also. Like, the toll it can have on the human body, it can cause, like, physical changes, including, like, continual waves of stress and hormones that can lead to anything from, like, high blood pressure to gastrointestinal problems, uh, even to, like, a weakened immunity system or memory loss. Yeah, um, I mean... Like it, it can it, it can physically change you by keeping secrets like that. It can it can make you physically ill. Like I sure, mean, I mean like, cortisol think, think... is the stress hormone, and then cortisol enters your system every day. An overflow of cortisol, yeah, that causes yeah. lots of problems. I mean, think about like if I was to go out and kill somebody, and I called you up, and I'm like, hey, Lisa, I need you to help me dispose of this body. And you help me dispose of the body. And then it's like, we can never speak of this again. And 20 years from now, you are still going to be thinking about that. And it's probably going to drive you into an early grave. And it's probably going to drive me into an early grave. Mm-hmm. Because it is physically going to make us sick that we did an act so bad. And we have kept that secret for so long. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's just that's the darkest secret I could think of ever having to must one I have to uh, keep and two I enforce on to someone else a secret that they also had to keep. And never mind the fact that you actually killed somebody. How about that? Yeah, that too. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's true. It's it's because like with secrets, you're you're kind of alone in them. You, you're there's a loneliness to a secret mm-hmm. you cannot if you're not able to tell anybody and humans are very social beings mm-hmm. um, and we're not if you're not able to share with other people then that will just it does like it, it does eat you up inside and why do we say it eats you up inside you know mm-hmm. um it because it, it's physically it's physically deteriorating and you know kind of that and it, it's also like extremely selfish uh, to keep secrets from others um, because it's it's either one you're admitting you are too weak or the other person is too weak to handle the truth of what you are keeping from them, uh, depending on what your secret is, or it's uh, 
you know there are consequences for your actions and you don't want to own up to those consequences. So you just don't want anyone to know so that you don't get punished for your actions. Right. But see, these are we've only been talking about the kind of secrets that are kind of bad on a moral scale. Mm-hmm. You know, because there are some secrets that you can keep that can actually bring you joy. Agreed. You and know, I, I wanted to get into those too. Okay. Go ahead. No, no, you first. You brought it up. Um, well, I mean, let's say you have like let's say you met somebody and you have a secret lover and you're having a fantastic sex life, but you don't tell anybody because it's what you know, like you don't have to. You won't until you know if it's gonna work out before yeah, you let the world just- know. Whatever it may be, whatever reason, it could be mm-hmm. a secret. Or even if you're pregnant and you don't tell, you're very happy and overjoyed because you're, you're pregnant, you got pregnant and you're happy, but you maybe you've had some uh, miscarriages in the past mm-hmm. and you're overjoyed, but you're, you don't want to tell anybody. Not, it doesn't even, you know, that's uh, like a scenario. I, I was thinking about there are like, good what if, if a friend of mine told me, hey, uh, I'm going to propose to my girlfriend this weekend. Uh, Don't tell her, though, but I wanted you to know. And it's like, okay, and I have to keep that secret now uh, until the weekend. Uh, And, yes, that's a good secret, but it's going to be eating me up inside because it's like, fuck, I just want to congratulate you right now. Or did she say yes? So even good secrets take a lot of energy to keep. Like e- people, even keeping a secret of a pregnancy, it's like, oh, we're not going to tell them till Thanksgiving, which is two months away. And they have to hold that secret for two months, yeah. knowing they're about to explode because they just want to spill the beans right now. Right. Even good secrets still t- it, it's it takes energy in the, in your processing energy in your in your brain mm-hmm. to to withhold something from people, because I guess maybe our 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 inclination is to share. So to not share is to withhold and withholding is energy and energy takes effort and, and uh, causes the stress, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And and I I definitely don't want to make this uh, sound like either of us are untrustworthy. I mean, I carry a lot of people's secrets down but now one thing with me, though, if, if you're going to tell me a secret, you have to tell me that it's got to be a secret. Because if you just tell me something and it comes up in conversation and I start talking about it and you look at me like I just spilled your beans. It's like you didn't tell me it was supposed to be a secret. Mm. I thought it was something that you were telling everyone. Right. So yeah, fair if enough. you tell me something, tell me it's like, no, just keep it a secret. Okay. Yeah. I I will definitely keep your secret. I I um I'm a good secret keeper. Uh I don't I don't this doesn't mean I'm looking for applications for for, <laughs> for people. Yeah. Ag- but, agreed. But I'm not I will not tell people your I mean, it's kinda like stuff. Donkey said in Shrek, what's the point in being able to speak when you gotta keep secrets? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I get it. I mean, there there is a lot of things that just some people do not need to know about you. I mean, are, if you if are. you confide into me something that you've never told somebody and you just need to get it off your chest and you tell me it, just don't tell anyone. I'm just confiding in you. 
Right. Be like, okay, that's fine. I'm glad that you entrusted me with that personal piece yeah. of information. But there are some people who really overshare. Yeah. And there are things that I didn't, I don't need to know about you or you didn't need to tell me that you had done. And it can be more harmful that you're sharing this information than if you were withholding it. And it's a very fine line, but it's definitely um, affected some relationships that I've had where somebody has uh, overshared and um, it's kind of created a, uh, a, a, a rift in our relationship. Agree. Um, yeah. And the other thing is that's why we have therapists and therapy, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to mention that, that why we have counselors and because we don't always feel comfortable telling everybody our deep, dark secrets and therapy is a weird thing. It's a very unusual thing. I'm, I'm in therapy. They're the secret holders that that I, is your living, breathing journal. Well, I don't tell everything to my therapist even. I don't. I probably should, but uh, I just still... mean that's their role. I mean, you yeah. you don't have to, but no, they're I there know. if you want to. Yeah, but it is weird. It's like because there are certain types of relationships where you can tell certain people certain things and certain people not, Agreed. and it just we have all different kinds of relationships in our lives, not just uh, re- you know, romantic and platonic. There are things in between, and. Yeah, the therapist is an interesting topic to discuss, like where it started and uh, probably religion, like a lot of things, right? Like with the confession stuff, maybe. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe all of our apologies and all of this comes from religious guilt. That's another factor, you know? Mm, spirituality could definitely play a factor, sure. You know, so why why do we feel bad about anything we do? And I guess that brings us into apologies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, like, excuse me, Uh, because morale uh, plays a factor. Like, when you carry with you, like, a guilty conscience, um, anytime someone says something to you, it's like, yeah, uh, I hate people that do this. It's like, oh, so you, you hate me? I was like, I wasn't even talking about you. Someone sounds guilty. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, like, I guess where, what, what I mean, what is the root cause of guilt? And, and I mean, is it, you know, is it where, where do we get our values from? Yeah. Because if and we didn't have values, then we wouldn't have guilt. Us. Yeah. Right. So a lot of it's taught to us and a lot of it's uh, things mm-hmm. we've learned along the way. And now we have to zi- deciphered into our own personal methods and have chosen what we feel is right and wrong. But yeah, if we didn't have the social structure, the, you know, the social oriented emotion that of guilt, would we do the right thing? If we didn't have guilt, if we didn't have this learned behavior from, from our Again, society. like you said, it would depend on what you considered was the right thing. Right. Because, I Kinda mean, like, like how... think about any war. Um, say, say America was in a war against Russia for whatever reason, just as an example. Um, the America... algorithms are flagging us right now. Yeah, really. Uh, America is believing that their cause is just and right, just like Russia is believing that their cause is just and right. Mm -hmm. Who's to say which side is wrong? 
Exactly. And it's the same thing with like um, people saying that, oh, it's okay to eat this animal and not okay to eat that animal. Where like, okay, in certain cultures, it's okay to eat dogs. Where in I was I was going to bring it up, but I didn't think you wanted to hear it. So I chose not to. No, I'm okay with the reality of humans being arseholes. But yes, does it make me... Of course, no, it makes me upset thinking... Of, I don't feel there's a difference between a cow or a chicken being mm-hmm. murdered in the same way as dogs are in um, China for food and wherever else. You know, it's this, It's all cruelty to me. And yeah. I... I don't, I don't like it because where, I think where to myself, I feel, I feel differently because, like, I, I believe cows and pigs and everything are bred for our food, or at least that. Like, yes, they are still wild and everything, and like a lot of places, so there is still a large majority of their species population that's still out there wild and free. Um, but there is a segment of them that we do use and utilize as a food supply. Is well, that I right? I'm not going to just... say it's right, but um, but people that eat dogs, um, where you that's, think that's their culture. Than... No, that, that that's their culture, and they're okay with it. But to our culture, dogs are pets. Well, I'll tell you who's not okay with it. I know the the dogs, the chickens, the cows. Eggs, and I mean, and I feel that way. Like, and I know the hypocrisy of veganism is something you know where people will say, "Well, you're killing a, a carrot, and you're killing a the animal's food supply." Well, <laughs> there is hypocrisy in in the food chain. In I think there's a lot of hypocrisy in biology. I guess or something. there there is hypocrisy in any subject that you could mention but who's who's the one to say what's hypo- hypocritical and what's not because what maybe Agreed. what maybe what is is what's meant to be Agreed. but so then what is morality but i mean think about it. animals eat other animals some of uh, some animals are herbivores some of them are carnivores we are technically an animal or at least a mammal and we happen to be a carnivore animal, even though now some of our species has converted to uh, herbivore. And nothing wrong with that. Uh, but for thousands of years, uh, our species has been carnivore. Um, so weeding that out isn't going to happen in 10 years after 100,000 years of eating meat. It has become kind of a necessity in our diet. Um, so it's going to take time before the entire human population becomes herbivore. I'm going to become a breatharian. You ever heard of breatharians? No, uh, people that live off of the juice of the universe. <laughs> that's, the best, <laughs> that's the best way I could have described it. <laughs> Living off the juice. Living off the universal juice. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I have, um, I actually have like experience with being a breatharian because I uh, had an eating disorder, uh, and basically you're just living off the juice, and that's when I had my, you know, really incredible uh, experience with the uh, in like that where I where I feel where I had a kind of year of bliss, a year of bliss. 
if you've if any, anybody's ever read um, Eckhart Tolle, and he describes his. Um, have you ever read Tolle? Nope. Uh, no. Well, he's a guy. Um, I'm sure he would like teacher, like a spiritual teacher type person, for lack of a better word. And uh, like he goes, he was going through such a painful tumultuous like he was on the verge of killing himself and stuff and um he had a like a complete moment like where just everything flipped and anyways i've had that so experience too of, but yeah he decided to kill himself slowly by just not eating no it has nothing to do with food actually he doesn't have the food thing so that was a real but i but he's oh. had the experience where all in one moment everything changed i've had that too where all in one moment everything changed to me seeing how the universe, everything is everything type thing, but that's that's a topic for another podcast because it's a, that gets a bit heavy into some stuff that's really difficult to explain without um, the proper language, I guess. Right. Or is that no language can explain it? So that's yeah. why it's very difficult to talk about. Well, we we can get into the apologies uh, portion. Um, like apologies are used to like right wrongs and heal past hurts and like save relationships and everything. But a lot of people tend to shy away from saying sorry, either out of fear or out of stubbornness or because we don't know how to repair the damage that we've done. But when we don't apologize, it, it creates a wasted energy and, like resentment and wasted connections and wasted relationship opportunities and continuing our, our own behavior. But uh, the alternate to being is to be realistic in our flaws and admissions and mistakes. It calls for both parties to offer acceptance to each other, also acceptance to yourself. If the apologizer as opposed to as opposed to shame and defensiveness and apology allows for a courageous and humble solution apologies are not only work for the person saying sorry but it's also work for the person accepting or declining the apology because they have to make that decision and but apologies do call for like a continued balance between like accountability and acceptance uh, because you have to be compassionate for the apologizer towards themselves as well as being compassionate for the apologizer from the other person. It's a dual process. So like if I hurt your feelings and you felt that I owed you an apology, and I don't see what I've done wrong, then uh, I have to decide whether or not an apology is necessary. And you have to decide whether or not I do or not apologize, whether or not you accept it or uh, move on. So um, I'm, I think it's really interesting and uh, why... Why do we feel an apology fixes things? So if I hurt your feelings 
but I just say I'm sorry. And you go, oh, okay, thank you for your apology. I accept it. Like That's all I had to do. Just use two words. Mm. Um, how did that fix anything? Because I still committed the act. And then, like, say you did something that upset me. Why... Why am I waiting? Why why am I going to sit here and hold a grudge until you apologize to me? Because it's just two words. It's not the words, though. It's the meaning behind. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be for real. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when people cheat in a relationship and somebody says they're sorry, I think the reason that it's very difficult to move by that is it's not like just a one second thing that you fucked up on it was a full act yeah there's a lot of time that went into the mm-hmm. there was a lot of time to for something to for somebody to not do it i, guess. I don't know it's that's it's tough and, and with other things like okay i'm sorry um i ate your cheesecake right i ate your yeah Okay, there's that. You could have stopped yourself at any moment, mm-hmm. you know, from eating the whole cheesecake. Why'd you? And you still did it. I guess it's just that humans are flawed, very flawed. Yeah, and but I, I'm just still more more interested in why those two words. Like you, that, no, because you 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 want because you want the person to feel remorseful. You want the person to feel bad for what they but, did. And I agree, but I think that the action would speak louder than words. Like, you want to prove to me that you're sorry, show me. Don't just say I'm sorry. Well, what can somebody do to fix it? It would would depend on what they've done. Okay, let's say they cheated on you. What could they do to fix it? Uh, I'm very unforgiving when it comes to cheating. As soon as I find out you cheated on me, it's over. I think that's probably the best way to be. Yeah. Um, somebody's crossed, yeah, especially like, but, but say you, you ate my cheesecake, don't tell me you're sorry, replace it. Yeah, just like here, I ate your cheesecake last night, I've got you a new one. Sorry about exactly. that, exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. an actionable, that, that's an actionable apology, right? But, the, but what can you do when you've cheated on somebody? How can you fix that? I, and I, I guess I, maybe I have that's no it answer for that one. That's the thing is that like a lot of things you can, you can an apology can fix it because there's something actionable that you can be do you can do to make it right. Uh, but yeah, when there's I'm not, sorry. that's when I you slipped and fell in. Like, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I broke drunk. your. I'm sorry. I broke your broke your expensive plate. But uh, I've bought you a new one. What if you I, cannot afford a new one? What do you do? Uh, you try to make it up to them. I mean, in some shape or form. As I know I can't afford to fix your plate, but I tell you what, I know your bathroom needs tiling. I, I can do the work for you if, if that will suffice. Mm. Um, I mean, there's always an action you can do to so, make up for something. I mean, because accidents happen. Yeah. I mean, but cheating isn't an accident. And I, I don't use the, I was drunk. Uh uh, as a fucking excuse, uh, there's really no, 
the only excuse that I could handle for any type of cheating is I was raped. Yeah. Because that's not cheating. No. That wasn't a choice. But even even when I've been blackout drunk, I have never been so drunk that I have cheated on somebody. Yeah. I do not accept that as an apology or an excuse. So I, I have no apologies for that one. But, I mean, most other things. Dude, I'm sorry. I backed into your car. Uh, uh, if you can give me till payday, uh, get me a quote. I'll figure some shit out, and I will I will get the the body work fixed for it. Yeah. Or I will get my insurance to pay for it. Like, I mean, actionable apologies. Uh, but just saying, my bad, uh, and going on about my business, sorry, that's not an apology. Yeah. So, and, like, if you backed into my car and you just went, I'm sorry, and I'm sitting there like, no, you still got to fix this. It's like, sorry doesn't cut it. Yeah. But now if you just backed into it and went home, I'm sitting there going, what, you just left? You did No, I'm sorry. No, fuck you, Chris. No, nothing. Like, even I still get pissed about not hearing the words, I'm sorry. But I expect to hear the words, I'm sorry, I will fix it. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's weird that we associate those two words when a lot of times people just say, I'm sorry, but don't make it up to you. It's just, I apologize. Okay, I accept. But the damage is still done. You haven't fixed anything. So why those two words? It, that, it's always just puzzled me. That's like I absolutely, one of my other pet peeves is the words, what if? I hate those two words. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, well, I went out and uh, I picked up uh, a guy I seen walking down the road and I, I gave him a ride home. What if he was a murderer? Well, he wasn't. Well, what if he would have killed you? Well, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I hate those. Yeah, two like words. where people go, people do that to me because I'll do, I'll make questionable decisions about like things that I do. Well, what if this? What? Yeah, I'll just be like, yeah, but that didn't happen. Okay, and like if I live my life by what if this is, you know, I then you just, would never do anything. I would never do anything. Like yeah. you have to, you have to accept the fact that you cannot control everything. It's kind of like can... Dory said in Finding Nemo. If you never let anything happen to him, then nothing will ever happen to him. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what if you, oh, what if, what, if, why did you go to work? What if you got in a car wreck on your way there? But you still got to go to work. Right. Exactly. It's a paradox. Yeah. It's a paradox. And, and I think it's a very big paradox with all three of these topics that I brought up today with the pet peeves with the apologies and with the secrets. It's, it, it all depends on whose point of view you're looking at any of mm -hmm. it through and the inability to be able to control anyone else's actions. And that, that's why I thought this was a really fascinating topic. So that's it, why I brought this up. It kind of goes into stoicism to a certain extent. Agreed. Because all of these things are like what the stoics would profess is that Everything is, you know, well, some things are within your control and some things are not within your control. And, and you the only just thing have that to you accept. should, 
Yeah, the only thing that you should concern yourself with is the things that are within your control. Otherwise, and how, how you react to them. And how you react. And otherwise, there is... Otherwise, you just have to accept that people are going to do fucked up shit. You just, you know... And they might not say sorry. And you have to accept that, too. Mm-hmm. And they might not they might not be sorry. You have to accept that, too. Or I they might to- not tell you things that they know that you should know, but... Uh, or they might they're keep keeping secrets, secrets. yeah mm-hmm. and you have to accept that too and that's all just what it is to be a human i mean i'll say one thing about the apology thing before we um close up is there are people that have an over tendency to apologize and that would be i would te- i would include myself in that and it's a cultural thing as british people we do tend to over apologize and that's something that i'm actively working on <laughs> is saying sorry less actually which um i because i often will apologize to things that are not my fault or i just say sorry and you know all the time saying sorry yeah and a lot uh, of times I'm, I'm, I'm guilty I'm, of it too i'm just getting to the point where i'm like wait that's not in a situation where you need to say sorry and i'm trying to be aware of it but it is difficult like to change habits that you've always been like oh sorry but you know You'll you won't be your fault. Somebody will bump into you, but you'll say sorry. It's that yeah. Thing. Yeah, but, no, I, I catch myself at work a lot. Like if I if I come out of a door, if someone's trying to come in and be like sorry, and they'll yeah. be like you're fine, and and now I'm trying to get into the habit of going excuse me instead. Right. Yeah, because it's more that like the language being powerful. You don't want to always be sorry all the time. That's kind of a negative word. Yeah. And then the word losing loses its meaning. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was my topic, and uh, I hope everybody enjoyed that, and uh, maybe has something to walk away with. So maybe it was informative, or at least entertaining. Uh, Lisa, do you have your next topic picked out? Yeah. Um, okay. We're going to talk about, uh, cults and, um, what makes a, what makes a cult, what makes a good cult happen? Um, do you think you could, if you were going to make a cult, what would you make it about? What, what is the psychology of a cult? Why do people into cults? Why is it so easy to, does it seem so easy for some people to, you know, manipulate the minds of others and um, be taken into a, to a, a whole other world, be taken away from their families to be manipulated, to do things they don't want to do. Uh, Yeah. We're going to talk about cults. Uh, There's so many. And um, I don't know if I want to specify into one or any particular. I kind of just want to look at the psychology psychology behind a cult. Yes. Yep. And I think that's enough to get us through a whole podcast. And then if we. I agree. That um, we want to go down like the rabbit hole of one particular cult, then we can. But we can. We can. um, can Uh, I'm sure a few will get mentioned uh, on how they were capable of. Getting others to flaunt to their cause. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that that should be cool. That should be interesting. Yeah. We'll do that one for for the next one. Okay. But, uh, anyways, thank you for listening to us. Um, 
we have been this, that, and the other. And please feel free to give us any feedback on wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. And uh, let us know if you think uh, we're doing a good job and how uh, how you'd like us to proceed going forward. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy your day, and we will talk to you all again next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Peace out.